Orphan Black, the next chapter, is back for season two, and it's bigger than ever. The official continuation of the hit TV show stars Emmy Award-winning actress Tatiana Maslany as all of the clones. And this season, she's joined by original TV show cast members Jordan Gavaris as Felix, Evelyn Brochu as Delphine, and Christian Brune as Donnie. Season two picks up where season one left off with, spoiler alert, the secret of the clones finally exposed to the general public. Hundreds of previously unaware clones grapple with the news that they are part of a massive military science experiment. Meanwhile, anti-clone protesters fight to have the clones' rights restricted. Caught in the middle, the Sestras want peace, and when an unforeseen threat turns their world upside down, they must join forces with former enemies to protect the ones they love. Orphan Black, the next chapter, is available right now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to listen and subscribe, or visit realm.fm for more information. The following panel is brought to you by the Sundance TV HQ at the 2020 Sundance Film Festival. Enjoy! Very lucky today to be joined by IFC Films Executive Vice President of Acquisitions and Production, Ariana Baco, <laughs> who has spent, we have more to say about you, you can't come up yet, <laughs> um, who has spent over a decade overseeing acquisitions at the company, including iconic projects like Boyhood, The Babadook, and Death of Stalin. Yes. IFC Films has been instrumental in promoting stories by women throughout its run, and that's why Ariana is such a perfect person to serve as a mod our moderator. We are hosting NYWIFT, a reception later today, 5 to 7, for folks who would like to attend, and she will be definitely getting an award on our behalf <laughs> for all of her good work. Please join me in welcoming Ariana. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you so much, Cynthia and Kirsten, for that really wonderful introduction. Uh, NYWIFT, Women in Film Los Angeles, and Reframe are doing such important work for women filmmakers um, and, and people coming up into this business. And I'm really so glad to be here with all of you today. Um, we have a limited amount of time, so I'm going to get going. Uh, OK. <clears throat> Our first panelist is uh, the first female filmmaker out of Saudi Arabia. Her work has inspired a new wave of Saudi filmmakers, and her latest project, The Perfect Candidate, will make its U.S. debut at this very festival. Please welcome Haifa Al-Mansour. Yep, that's him. Uh, Jackie Cruz is an actor and vocalist best known for her portrayal of Marisol Flaca Gonzalez on Orange is the New Black. She is also an aspiring producer with her own company, Unspoken Film, dedicated to advocating for more representation of Latina women. Please welcome Jackie. Thank you, Congratulations. Hanalee Culpepper is an award-winning director whose credits range from superhero action adventures to thrillers to character-driven dramas. She is also the first woman to launch a new Star Trek series in its 53-year year history with this week's Star Trek Picard. Welcome, Hanalee. Thank you. 
Akwa Msangi is an award-winning writer-director and screenwriting instructor at the New School, among others. Her latest film, Farewell Amour, will make its debut later on in the festival. Welcome, Akwa. Also today, we have Monica Levinson, an independent film and TV producer, and the former president of production at Chavans Pictures. She's in Park City to premiere her latest project called Wander Darkly at the festival. Please welcome Monica. Um, thank you so much for, uh, for coming. I thought we would, um, we have a limited amount of time, but I thought I would start it off with something fun. If everyone could give me like a one word or phrase that describes you and your philosophy on, on, on work and, and your craft and what you do. Hi, Foles. I don't know, if a girl from Saudi Arabia can be here, every one of you can. So that it is. I think women have the power to challenge a lot of things and, and yes, be crazy a little bit, feisty. <laughs> Uh, for me, it's uh, telling the truth, whether it's myself or my character. So just being authentic to who, who I'm portraying, the truth. <laughs> you took my word. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> well, great minds think alike. <laughs> no, yeah, I was going to say um, entertaining yet authentic storytelling, visual storytelling. Yeah. Those were also my words. <laughs> I mean, I would say truth-telling for sure and just... I come from a place where there's more depiction of animals than there are people, so people is important to me. Mm -hmm. yeah. And as a producer, I would say resilience and always finding a solution. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. <laughs> Fear, yeah. uh, I, I thought to be good to understand how you each are feeling about the current landscape. Independent film has changed quite a, quite a lot. Uh, in the 20 years that we've been in business, I, I mean, it's gone every five years, it seems to be something completely different. How are you feeling right now about the landscape and all the different mediums that are out there and, and, and how you can work? And you have a, a new TV show and you have a film premiering at the festival. You're starting a new production company. W what does that feel like? Is it, you know? Can I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's um, there's all these amazing outlets, but um, I just feel like Hollywood is a place of imagination with no vision. So for me, <laughs> I have to bring it to you. You know, I got to show you what's in my head, and um, I use my own money. You know, like thank you, Orange is the New Black, but um, <laughs> I use Netflix money to create my vision. So it was really amazing. Just you know, there are these great outlets, but uh, creating it and and uh, showing the world what you have to. Show and bringing the people with you. There's so much untapped talent that people don't know about. And, and you know, God bless me with this amazing, you know, uh, voice that I get to share. And I want, you know, it was a selfish thing for me at first, but now I'm bringing my people with me. And I feel like I, it's for my underrepresented gente, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got someone in the crowd right now. Okay. Christian, Christian Mercado, look him up, filmmaker, amazing. I don't know where you are, I love you. But we're working on some great things, you know. You gotta show them what you got. Yeah. 
But I think it's also a very exciting time now in Hollywood. There is a, like a conscious effort to promote women. Like before, if a, if a man premiered in Sundance, when he goes like, and it is his first film, and he go to a meeting for a bigger studio film, they will give him the benefit of the doubt, right? He's an a tour, and he did. And when a woman is in the same thing, the benefit of the doubt margin becomes smaller. So now it is a lot of like, um, there is a subconscious, like there is a real effort in, in challenging that. And like mm, what you other guys are doing and bringing women up there. And it's still, there is so much work to do, but I feel so excited that I, I get more opportunities and people are taking me more seriously. It is not like a face value meeting, right? We have to meet a lot of women and women of color. Now there is, a, now they're just like really listening. And that is, I think, a very good opportunity for us because now it is, it is on us now to promote ourselves and understand and work on our skills and, and hone our, what, what we will bring has to, to really live up to the expectation. So it is, it is very exciting, but also very challenging. And we have to understand that it is a challenging and it is a responsibility for us. Like we are now older, <laughs> females, wiser, wiser. <laughs> wiser, but like bringing, like making, like sure that other younger filmmakers coming, they don't have to like, like try to prove themselves exactly. as much as we did, not to sweat it. They have more of like a um, um, sense of authority when, when it comes to their work, so. I would just say that, you know, content is always going to be king. And there's something about how independent film over the last maybe 10 years started to become much bigger budgets, much, you know, every, everybody kind of went into this independent world. And I think there's a, um, with all the new emerging distributors, I think there's been a... Um, uh, some sort of a retro feel to it where people are able to make these new stories and tell the stories in a smaller budget way and actually make a difference and, and tell those independent voices again. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm excited by what that means, you know, because it's kind of a reinvention and kind of going to some retro, but a reinvention of it all with new great voices, but um, going back to what the roots were, you right. know, 20 years ago. Do you I, feel I like you ever have to compromise what your vision is in terms of, you know, uh, no, you with know, the changing um, landscape in terms of Well, finance. I think you just have to say that if this piece of content is something that really works better in a, you know, for Netflix or for the studio system or whatever, you have to listen to that voice mm -hmm. and know that you want to tell independent, you know, something different. I mean, I saw Summertime last night. It's this wonderful spoken word, you know, movie about that high school kids put together and, and uh, I mean, the director's not a high schooler, but, you know, it's beautiful and it's exactly what should be at this festival. You know, it's just a great story. And I saw Haifa's wonderful film last night, you know, just telling a landscape of a, a place that, you know, American audiences certainly don't know and telling a strong woman's perspective of being there. It's really, you know, special time, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would say I would agree with that. And part of it is, you know, we've become so accustomed to, well, I'll speak individually, I've become so accustomed to, I grew up in an environment where all stories in general, including stories about me, were told from the perspective of white males. Mm -hmm. And so it's a yay where there's more people coming in and we're being able to tell our stories and we're getting a little bit of money here and there to do those things. But it's, there really is a retraining that we have to do for ourselves as well um, in terms of like, okay, that was one person's perspective. Well, how about my perspective as a woman, as a black woman, as an African woman, as whatever, you know, particular aged woman? Um, what does the world look like from my view? 
and being able to find the space in the community, building the community around me to safely tell those stories without the intervention of, no, 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 that's not how it's supposed to be. That's not how it was from your perspective, but we're doing another perspective now. Right. Um, so that's ex exciting. Yeah, just like looking over the, the pilots that are, have been um, ordered, not the B orders, the series yet, but the scripts that were ordered. Um, there were so many that were had female leads. Mm -hmm. It was like over 90%, especially wow. at ABC, they have a, a big um, effort to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just great. And then also um, for women who are ready to break into TV, it is, oh, okay, I'll say that again. Okay. <laughs> um, Siri now yeah. is in the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> There's such, there is such a, a true effort to bring women into the television system. Um, I remember when I was first starting out, it was just uh, the meetings after meetings after meetings. Okay, I'll wait for you. Uh, but um, now, if you like, you know, they're very welcoming. They're opening. There's a way to get in. You know, even if you've only done features, there's. There's, you know, there's the shows that want the feature directors to come in and start doing TV, and that gets you into the system. And you do one, and you do a great job, and you, it's easy to get the, the next one. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that this is just an easy thing to do. Yeah. It's, it is hard, but I remember when I did my first one, and talking to other directors just breaking in, it just felt like it took so long to get our second one and mm -hmm. our third one, and we were still shadowing and still doing that stuff. And it took like three before you just started getting the calls. But now they really, people are embracing it. So um, if you go in and you do a great one, you start getting the calls to do more. Yeah, it's that the, the, the system finally is understanding that there's an audience and yes. that they have to be true to that audience. Do you find the system getting a little bit easier as it, as it relates to financing? to tell your perspective because I can see, you know, it, it, it takes years to change dinosaurs and, mm -hmm. and, and systems that are ingrained, um, especially as it relates to money and, and getting things financed. I haven't and found it any easier to find financing, to tell you the, mm -hmm. the truth. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I have a variety of stories that I'm trying to tell, so, but, but I know there's some people who just seem to attract money, so if you want to see me, <laughs> after the panel. <laughs> but it's really good to hear that, because I, I, I think while we live in a world where everything is improving and there are steps taken, there's more openness and honesty, how much easier is it? I mean, you've worked in other countries, you know, if you've financed out of other places, is it easier uh, outside of the United States? Is there any, or is it hard all over? Um, for me, it's been hard all over. Um, but, you know, crowdfunding made a very big difference mm. because it was no longer sort of waiting for this one big pot of gold from the mountain to come. Sorry, not this mountain, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, proverbial mountain. Um, and not only just crowdfunding in terms of $25 from everybody in the room to make our little project, but the crowdsourcing of talent, of resources, of people helping, even if they're not in the industry, this person is making lunch for us, and this person's delivering sandwiches, and this person really loves makeup and is therefore going to be an assistant, or whatever it is. And, you know, that building that foundation for me has been very useful to fill into the places where I couldn't afford mm -hmm. to just pay everybody, you know, and it's hard because it's, you're asking people to work for free all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but we're also women and we're constant, as women we negotiate and 
you know, interact with people on a regular basis like that for all of every aspect of our life. So it's not completely new. Mm -hmm. um, but it's hard to do, you know, it's, you can only go but so far, I suppose. I, I don't know that I'd be able to shoot a million dollar film like that. Um, or the kinds of, I would probably have to make um, concessions in some way. Um, you know, getting foreign money, I work in the field of African cinema, and most of foreign, most African cinema is funded by European money. Um, but it has its strings attached, because that's taxpayers' money, and therefore you need to hire a whole bunch of Norwegian people or whoever it is to, you know, so therefore you're eliminating jobs and you're eliminating training for people on the ground who never get to really realize how to do post-production or how to raise money on their own because it only comes to them at a time when we already have the money together and we come and do it. It has its pros and cons because it's not based on box office the way the U.S. industry is. Mm -hmm. um, but I wouldn't say it's easier. No. Haifa, you were, you were gonna, you financed all over yeah. your films. I did find us all <laughs> from everywhere you can imagine in the globe. But I think there is really a crack in the system. And I think people are, um, but we shouldn't take it for granted just because we're women that people will just like jump on our stories and stuff like that. True. I think it is very important to hone, like, um, again, we don't have this accumulative history and experience. And we have to admit that we are breaking into a very big world. And that needs a lot of work from our part and needs a lot of like, um, uh, rewriting and so if you go to a story and someone does not like it we should not just like because I am a woman I think there is a chance because you're a woman you are getting that meeting and people are listening to you but maybe there is a way to like re um, work work hard and I think it is really sometimes it's very frustrating to like to, to learn the story and then you have to rewrite it and someone bring it back and all that but it is part of the process and I think we need to admit that it's part of the process because it is how we grow and how we become more capable and and how our skills become sharper and as we do that I think we will become more um, we will have this reputation like yes women work harder oh I love that story I love that so we we change the culture, but certainly there is a crack in the system. It is not big, it is not huge still, but there is a way to get in. And it has to, you have to sneak in and <laughs> kick it, <laughs> as we do. Do you think working within the system, you can help change it? Absolutely. I think working within the system helps change it and change it fundamentally. Yeah. Because you are in a working place where you can change actually things. And you can really, like, um, like you are an executive, so it is, it's amazing, you know how it is. When and he's just like, oh, uh, I believe in this woman. Yeah. And uh, Mary Shelley, you acquired Mary Shelley and you promoted yeah. it and you put it everywhere. So that is, that is what it takes for another woman to exactly. create that sense of sisterhood. We support each other. But for Mary Shelley, which is a very good film, if it wasn't good, you wouldn't <laughs> got it at Ariana. That it's is where it goes. <laughs> I would just say that there's this mountain that we have to all climb because you have a story and let's say you find a financier that wants to get behind it. Wonderful, but then you have to find a distributor that wants to get behind it. And then that distributor needs to find eyeballs. They need to find an audience, and that's really hard in this marketplace because going to theaters, you know, I don't know how many of you go to the theater all the time, but it's so important that we continue watching as much content, going to the theaters, and supporting cinema because otherwise, all these stories aren't going to continue to get told. They're going to be told in other mediums. And I'm not saying that 
that um, you know the theater is the only play to, place to watch it, but you still have to show up mm -hmm. and watch these stories. So it is hard at this level because we're all trying to tell stories that are independent voices and then find all these other steps that are going to respond as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really clear at this point um, nowadays versus 20, 25 years ago that um, not only as women, but as creators, that you have to be involved in every single step along the way. Yeah. And you have to know, you know, not only how to write a script and direct it, but how to market it and who your audience is. And, you know, you can't just leave it to somebody to do. Yeah. How do you, do you find that process um, invigorating or is it um, a process? It feels good to be in charge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels good to have your ideas and be like, no, this is exactly what I want and this is what we're going to do. You know, um, it's really hard, you know, finding money for your projects. But, you know, Latinos are, we watch, we go to the theater, okay? Yeah. We're, the, we're an audience that you guys should really, like, look into. You know, we're ready, we're re we have stories that are untold and, and maybe just one-dimensional. And, and what gets me excited about this, this right here, this panel, is listening to you guys and, like, figuring out how you guys did, you know, how you guys made it happen. And, um, you know, I was in a documentary called Every, uh, This Changes Everything. Um, produced by Gina Davis and it's because of her believing in me that I you know got my partners to create my my story so it's like you said helping each other out building this community and um, giving someone else a seat not just you know you got the seat now I'm here I'm sitting like how do I get my girl here too you know what I mean like mm -hmm. to me that that's really important and bringing along everyone yes yeah. yes Hanalee um, you're the first woman to launch a new Star Trek series which is a legendary, um, I mean, it's a legendary property. I watched it as a kid. I mean, it's lasted time, eternity. What is that like for you to take the reins? I mean, mm -hmm. you're in charge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was um, uh, exciting and terrifying at the same mm -hmm. time. Um, I am a Next Generation fan. I'm a Picard fan. And so when I got the call that they wanted to interview me to do a pilot, I just kind of assumed, okay, they just wanted to meet with me. I'm sure they're going to hire someone else. And as I kept going through the process and it became more and more real, um, you know, it was just, it was just felt like this kind of dream coming, coming true. And, you know, ultimately I want to, you know, like I say, I, I want it to be visual, but I want to be authentic to Picard and who he is 20 years later. And um, it was just um, really about making sure that we served uh, fans of which I won, so to make sure that I felt satisfied with it, um, but also provided something that Secret Hideout and CBS All Access could be super proud of. So I kind of went into it with all that pressure on myself. Um, and then ultimately, you finally just like, okay, time to get like zen. Um, trust that you've learned the lessons that you need to succeed, follow your gut, come in with the plan, and then just attack like you would attack any other job that you would get. And for all of you, how is uh, do you all have your core support system that helps you through that and, and works with you on every project, you know, as as your team? How important is that? So important. Um, when you go into you know to do create your vision, you got to work with someone who believes in your vision too, and who's not trying to contradict you know what what you believe in. So I think it's really important. You know, no divas. Just come in because you love the story. You know, like for me, I just work with people who want to be there. Like I, it's not a job for me. This is fun. This is play. This is creating. I want to know your ideas. You know what I mean? 
I was so lucky to, um, um, uh, I'm working on this pilot, uh, this uh, short form pilot, and I got to sit in a room with writers, and we were just talking, and it was just so dope to like sit in a room and um, people from all walks of life and, uh, you know, them telling their stories and me sharing ours, and I think that's just so important, that everybody there believes in you, believes in your project, and you know, Take brings their ideas, yeah. make it bigger, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I, I work with my husband who's <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> but it's amazing to have someone who's different than you when you are writing a story. A story is always has so many faces, it's not one, there's no mm -hmm. absolute truth. I come from Saudi Arabia, I know what absolute truth is, so <laughs> I don't want it ever. It is very important to have this, mm. this a lot of like faces where it comes to telling yeah. a story and it is, um, and it is very important that you say, the, um, we see the same end, but we see it from different places. And that is when, what makes a story rich and what makes a story interesting and layered and, and fun, that it is not told from only, of course there is like only um, a focus, but it's told from different perspectives, which is, um, it is, it enriches us, yeah. So we don't wanna, for all the men in here in this room, we don't wanna cancel you, we love you. <laughs> and as much as we want just to be equal, and we both exist on the same plan. <laughs> I'm so grateful to be back at the festival with the same team that we all did, uh, Lynette Howell-Taylor and Samantha Houseman and Shivani Rowett and I all did Captain Fantastic Great. and now we're back for Wander Darkly and it's wonderful to have that shorthand and to be able to support Tara Mealy in that way with a, you know, a team <coughs> that really works well together. Yeah. So yeah, that was very, it's a very cool experience to be back for that. Mm -hmm. So obviously we're here hosted by these amazing organizations. Are there any other organizations or practical you know, groups or people for all these aspiring filmmakers who have helped you along the way that as people sitting on this couch you could say, here's what you need to do? Because I think sometimes we, f we feel like we don't ask for help or we yeah. can't ask for help or we can't say, I need, I need this. Is there, is there some kind of advice that you could give along your way that, that is helpful? I mean, my biggest piece of advice, it wasn't organization, but it's just about being as nosy as you can be, <laughs> work really hard, it doesn't matter what you're doing on that, on that set or in that office, and pay attention and be there to do whatever it is anybody needs. Obviously, me too, aside. But really, the other part of it, you know, I mean, really be there for whatever anybody needs, even if it's like walking somebody to the car with their stuff, just always be eager, and I promise it will pay off because you're gonna learn more from being interacting, being nosy, being there and being present and working your tails off and that will, people will take notice and move you along with them. Yeah, I definitely would credit um, the Independent Film School in New York and also the Black TV and Film Collective in New York um, are both organizations that have held me personally um, and created community and just, you know, people to bounce ideas off of and to develop work with and to continue to build and grow together. Um, and that's been the entire lifeline of being able to keep producing, keep creating while we're looking for the big dollars and the big contracts and the big whatever it is, maybe the big won't come, but 
we're still making things as artists. Um, and that, I think, is part of, it's like the most important thing to be able to continue to create your work. Yeah, um, I'm going to go back and say first, the, the first organization I really credit is Filmmakers Alliance. And the founder is here in the audience, Jacques yeah. Um They, um, that group, when I came to Los Angeles and I was looking, you know, trying to figure it all out, I found this group of filmmakers that we just supported each other, making each other's films and really encouraged each other to do it. And so um, it was with their help that I did my first uh, short film, and then I have to credit AFI's Directing Workshop for Women because <laughs> it was through that group that I did my next uh, short film and also met this amazing group of women, the seven other women who were with me um, in that program. We're still great friends to, to this day. LaDon is in the audience <laughs> for that. Uh, we're still supporting each other. And it was like with those, um, with those two shorts, I was able to um, get my first feature made, which Filmix Alliance was a part of making that happen. Um, and that kind of really kicked things off because um, it allowed me to get working for Lifetime, doing other features. That got me into NBC's diversity program, so I have to credit them as well, because they um, had me shadow on Parenthood. And Larry Trilling gave me my very first um, job directing Parenthood. And then that's, you know, it goes on. It's, there's never like the one. Yeah, there's so always, yeah. There's always, you, 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 there's always someone to help you along the way, an organization to go to. And now there's Reframe, you know, Rise, yeah. which I'm one of those uh, eight women. And they're, you know, ultimately going to push it even further, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I'm going to have to go back to the Gina Davis Institute um, for uh, Media and Gender. You know, she's incredible. This documentary, I really want you guys to check it out. This changes everything. So my, my short was um, uh, premiered in her festival in Bentonville. Mm -hmm. So I got, you know, my partners, because of Gina believing in me, she's like, someone in this room is going to give Jackie Cruz a lead role <laughs> or whatever. And they did. <laughs> well, I'm creating it, but it's happening. <laughs> so I just think it's just really important to show up and, and um, just be good. I don't know. Just be good. I'm just so tired. I'm literally going in through the back door. You know, like people think, you know, I'm on Orange is a New Black. Like you're a hit. You're gonna be a hit, and that's not how it works. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to figure out, like you said, go in the back door and figure it out. But this community of women helping each other is really helping me. So yeah. this is awesome. Thank you for having me. On yeah. Panel. Well, I would bet on you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank because you. Because it's there. <laughs> I would, yeah. First, I, Sundance uh, Institute, Michelle Sauer and her team, they, they are the first to believe in my first film and, and accept it in the writing lab. And it is that kicked my career, really. And it is, it is a, a now woman in film. And Reframe Rise, thank you so much. It's amazing to be a group of women. Like, it is nice to go to a party and know there is a friend. You see Hannah Lee, there is a friend, unconditional love. Like, hi, you go network, I'll go network, and we'll meet later. <laughs> it is nice. It gives you that sense of um, grounding. And yeah. you feel you, um, you, and I'm, I'm totally from outside the industry. I am like really from a, a different planet. So it's really <laughs> nice to come here and feel like uh, you're not alien anymore. Yeah, you have a lot of friends and a lot of warmth. Cool. And there's a lot of girls that you can talk to and joke and just like, it is, and it, it gives you that, um, that kind of confidence and kind of um, calm. Mm, 
place where you can go and actually challenge things and go actually and be feisty with an executive to tell them the, your story and show your passion because you know that is there is a place that is someone wants you back. to succeed yeah. and someone has your back. Yes. Thank so, you. Uh, I know we've all felt discrimination on one level or another. How do you deal with it in, in as a staying professional and, and getting what you need done? Because it's it's you know as we progress and move forward, there are still some things that remain the same, and you know we all get frustrated. But as we do our jobs, how how do you deal with it? Just speak up on what's bugging you. <laughs> it's like before we had to stay quiet. Like now we, we can talk, <laughs> and we won't get fired. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> maybe. Talk. Yeah, maybe. I wouldn't I take it know. that far. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, just I feel like using your voice now is is uh, important. Like you said, they're listening. listening before. Like now I'm in a room and um, you're actually listening to me. So I think if something is not going your way, just use, use your voice. I remember, so I've been around for a while. Um, I'm now, you know, one of the older people, uh, you know, on the panel. And um, it's, it's really interesting because I did used to just kind of smile and laugh through it. And um, I remember I went to, there was a woman who I was talking, speaking to, and I was telling her a story about being sort of, sort of shamed as the woman in the room and sort of the older woman in the room and uh, a bunch of men just laughing and saying, oh, okay, so her, we can discount her, you know, they, whatever it was. Um, and I smiled and I laughed and I made my point and, and moved on. And the woman said, what do you mean? You didn't speak up? And I said, no, because what good would have come from that, you know, at the time? And she said, that's why you're still working in the industry and I'm not. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought it was a really interesting point of view. And what's changed in the last two years is that those same people would never do that now. Mm -hmm. They know that they're not, they're going to be held accountable. Mm -hmm. And um, so I feel like. I didn't have to do anything. The movement did it, mm -hmm. and I can still be me, you know, and do what I'm going to do. But and you know, speak up and continue to speak up like I did before, and continue to make my point. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 For me, it's always. I mean, I go, definitely go back to my my tribe, my you know, my support system, my people. Um, I'm not a loud person in general, and certainly not in the way that I work. And so it is important for me to have people around me who can be the louder mm -hmm. um, attack. <laughs> kind of, you know, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's so many layers to, to why that is, my upbringing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm definitely more of a soft power kind mm -hmm. of person. Um, I do think that there is something to be said about at least having a, you know, the installation around you of people that you can check in with. You know, because you're you're going to hear so many things about oh, it's not that good, or it's this, or it's that, or you know, a and it's sometimes voices. it's hard to have perspective as to like, is this you know, is it as bad as they say, or is it as whatever as they say, and you know, to have the person who can be like, no, you're good, go, keep going, you know, right. and that's really important, um, and just you know, for your sanity as well, right. to just constantly be able to check in with yourself and what is your purpose, what is it that you're trying to do or say why are you why are you working on this why are you making this um, and you know I mean that really adds to a lot because uh, the work is hard the work is hard period whether you have people like cheerleading you day and night or not um, it's just hard filmmaking is hard work yeah. and so 
you do have to have people around you who can help to check you and be like, mm, yeah. girl, no. <laughs> or, or to be like, no, you're fine, keep going. Yeah. Um, or to be like, no, it didn't really work out, but so you made a mistake, keep going. Keep like, going. People, white men have been doing that for centuries. Just, yeah. How many shitty <laughs> movies have we seen? From like, the same you know, and they keep making movies. The same movie over yeah, and over exactly. again. Right. So <laughs> I think we have the permission to make one or two shitty movies in our life. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, that's not the goal, but, you know. Yeah. Potentially. <laughs> um, I think we only have a little bit, a little bit of time left. Are we opening it to questions? I think um, we have a couple questions to so make them good. <laughs> Any, anyone have some no questions? Yeah. Um, for up-and-coming filmmakers trying to break in, um, particularly with television. So it seems like there's a lot of bootstrapping that goes on with film, and a lot of like ways to work around the fact that you don't have an agent and that type of thing. With television, you pretty much have to have an agent. Uh, particularly if you're a writer. So there's like this chicken and egg thing. It's like, how do you get an agent if you haven't proved yourself? You know, because it seems like you have to have an agent to even be looked at by a network to have an opportunity to pitch. Connelly, you don't thing. have to have an agent. You just That's have to have representation, ideally a manager. I got my agent after I booked my first episode of Parenthood. I had a really great manager who was the one who was the cheerleader, who was getting my work to various meetings and setting those up for me, who ultimately was, say, was the one who said, who was telling me to do the things that I needed to do. Like sometimes we don't ask for what we want. I'd be, you know, like I say, she, I know the showrunner, yeah, and, and she knows I'm the director, so she'd offer me something. She's like, no, you need to ask for it. Um, it was that manager that did that, so I don't want, it's, it is, and certainly you can get an agent early on, but that's not like the only way in, so don't let that feel like such a high hurdle that it discourages you. Yeah, For find a, a manager. When huh? I booked Orange is Black, I didn't have an agent. Yeah. Like, ask questions, just go for it. <laughs> and if there's directing situation, if you want to be a director, then, I mean, there's all these shadow programs that you can apply to and training programs that, you know, all the studios and the networks are doing. So start applying to those and do as many episodes as you can. And So don't feel know. like the programs are the only way. You can also shadow independently. Yeah. It is harder now than when I did it because there are so many programs and a lot of times shows have agreed to take someone through a program but it should not stop you from contacting anyone you know connected to any show and asking is it possible for you to shadow on the show. Mm -hmm. And started from the don't like do even bring in coffee. Like we should, we should always like grab opportunities and, and run with them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how small they are. If you can be in a place and you can't prove yourself, people will take notice. Mm -hmm. In a film set, it is very small. If you can't do anything there, people will notice you. People will, will like you will get like um, you will get a foot in. So don't. Don't Definitely don't, yeah. yeah. You always take whatever the life One, gives you yeah. and make it bigger. One foot in front of the other. Yes. You know, all the time. Yeah. Like, people say no, you just gotta wait for the yes, you know what I mean? And you will get a yes if you go for it, you know. One more? Oh. oh. What are your deal breakers? You're not negotiables, everybody. You gotta have something in your contract or something that's presented Green M&M's. <laughs> I will not have it. <laughs> yeah. Tequila, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Whiskey. I'm a whiskey girl, actually. Uh, 
Jeez, I don't know. I final, mean, I think my non-negotiable is that I... Small paycheck. Yeah, I just want to work with people that are kind, mm -hmm. and I don't want to work with assholes anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. Totally yeah. Right. That's it. Yeah. No divas. Men can be divas. But also women should not take themselves, like, um, for granted. Like, we should, we should not take... This, um, 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 less than other people. Like we should demand equality when it comes to paycheck, when it comes to um, exercise on final cut, or like, which is like difficult, we know very well. It's like, you might as well put it out there. <laughs> but it is just like, um, it is also like, it's very important to, um, to understand your, value, uh, your worth and what you bring into a project and negotiate on that basis. And if someone does not take you seriously on that level, it will be a harder journey when you are in production and you need the support of the producers and later on, so it is not right. So you really, for me, the, if they don't appreciate what I come in and give me the value that I think I, I deserve, I don't think that is a project that is um, perfect and fit for me. Yeah. Okay, do we have one, one or two more questions? Um, this isn't too personal, but when you're working with people, you know it feels more comfortable, but when you are working with bigger production companies, do you feel like you have to filter yourself so that your story can be authentically told or that you can authentically tell your stories? Mm. Wait, say, can you say that last part again? Do you, when you're working with bigger production companies, do you feel like you have to filter yourself so that your story can be told, or do you feel like you can be authentically yourself? Well, that, I think that's what you, the question before. Like, no, you got to tell your story the way you came in. Like, if you're no not into it, company, no matter. No, if you're, you're well, you your might story. not get that. You, you're not going to take that opportunity if they don't want to tell your story in the way that you want to tell it. Then you're at the wrong place. Yes. And you just need to stand firm and find a place that really understands what your story is and be willing to tell it mm -hmm. in that way. But you're right. As bigger the projects become, it is more problematic and more complicated, mm -hmm. especially for a woman at the helm. Like, let's face it, directing a small two million film is not like directing like a hundred million right. film. Mm -hmm. There is a lot in stake, and a lot of people put a lot of money, so it's pressure on the director. And there will be a lot of people for women filmmakers. A lot of people will challenge your authority. After my third film, like my my assistant will um, will as, as, like uh, like uh, announce me, like director and Saturn. I was like, wow, I was like director on set. It's like <laughs> exciting. And when I go on set, people look over me trying to find where is the director. <laughs> because they don't, I don't feel the authority. <laughs> and it's, sometimes it's frustrating, but it yeah. is very important to mm -hmm. control that frustration mm -hmm. and bring people with you on a journey and be prepared. And really, really be pre prepared. Know your material, know your shot. If you are a director, know what you are talking about. Mm -hmm. If you are a set designer, bring in your heart and knowledge and skill up to the top mm -hmm. so you and people respect that you know gaffers like big men just like ah. <laughs> they will not listen to you <laughs> at the beginning the first week will be really tough but after that everybody when you give them that ownership and respect of their work and show them how capable you are of leading them how much they will love you and will put your heart for you mm -hmm. and that is what we should do as woman filmmaker bring everybody with us on the journey because it is difficult it is difficult to do a film on your own and you will never be able to do a film. You are not a cinematographer, you are not a writer, you are not a set designer. You need those people to give you the, your best. And the more there is money, the bigger egos you will deal with, your hmm. DP will come with a lot of ideas. <laughs> <laughs>
and you need to respect that. You need to see the right. merits and exactly. that's to listen. Yeah, yeah listening and collaboration is so important. So even if you're telling that story, you want to listen because somebody might have a great idea that's going to really help you, and then you can you can filter. You know. Mm -hmm. Thank you. One more question. I saw you first. <laughs> Thank you. Was there a catalyst in your career as an actor where you decided, I'm going to go full in, invest my money, and take charge and be more of an entrepreneur producer? And how was that transition? Yeah, I mean, um, my production company, Unspoken Film, I financed my first short myself, which, uh, with my partner, he's a man. Um, it's okay. <laughs> he does a lot of mansplaining, but I, I, I shut him off. I shut him down. He's over there in my tray. Hello. Um, yeah, so uh, because of Orange, you know, I, I got, you know, uh, money to create my, my work. So I, I created this this film called The Dying Kind because I wanted to show the world from the 1900s. From We were always there. We were just never visible. So it's about a story about, um, you know, Native children when they strip their culture and try to westernize them and cut their tongues and all this stuff. So I'm like Native and, and white in, in the story. And I wanted to show the world that we were there, just never represented. And I'm Dominican, so I come with everything. I'm African, I'm, you know, Taina, you know, I, I, I'm from everywhere. So um, European, you know, so I wanted to show the world. And because of that, I got, you know, people to finance my other projects. But everything I've done right now, it's been through my, my money and Trey's money. <laughs> He's back there. Right, but well, yeah, finding a partner is great. <laughs> uh, one more question. So I work for an independent cinema, independent theater in Hollywood. And we showed This Changes Everything. It was amazing. Oh, wow. We showed The Nightingale. We showed Greener Grass. And I guess my question is, as independent film, is getting bigger. I feel like a lot of small indie houses are dying because of it. And my question is, how do we keep independent cinemas alive and well, but how do we keep these small independent cinemas alive with it to show these films? Because I understand you want to get it out there and you need to show it to as many people as possible, but we believe in it so much. So I was just, yeah, it's a good I was as filmmakers, how do you think about that? How do we preserve the, the theatrical? I mean, it's it's the same thing. It's about you know everybody here, community, going just supporting and going to the independent cinemas and um, supporting and watching those films and you know uh, these films that are the independent. That's what I was saying in the beginning, where a lot of these films that were independently made were content that the distributors, the bigger distributors, needed. And now a lot of those distributors have been putting their own, you know, sort of taking them at the infancy level. Before before it's made and started to make it as their own and then now they're the independent film. So it's just about going back a little bit and going back to what this festival was all about, making these wonderful stories and telling them and putting them out in the world at these cinemas and getting everybody to go see. And getting everybody to go see is just saying to your neighbors, saying to everybody, go watch my film or go watch this person's film. I think when you were saying before retro, what you really were saying was we need to rebuild the community as an independent film community. Totally. And I think exhibition is such a big part of reclaiming independent film as a community. Yeah. Because absolutely. it has gotten Hollywoodized and I mean all you're of the perfect things. person to talk about it because you know, you guys are really at the forefront of distributing films that are independent voices. Yeah. I think it's the next wave of, you know, where the independent film business is going is, you know, ex how how are we preserving it? It's 
for audiences. Right. But we can't do it without these amazing people who are the creators and the content makers. Um, so I can't thank you enough thank for you. all of your participation <laughs> and your wise words. Um, they're all amazing. Go see their movies. Thank you. Go see their movies. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Subscribe for more panels from the 2020 Sundance Film Festival.